Okay, we're going to open up with a word of prayer here. Dear Father God, I do thank you for uh, the day, for your beautiful creation. I'm thankful for a warm place to meet. Um, and I'm going to pray that uh, you'd uh, be with our, our worship this morning. I pray that everything that we do, uh, that this is not about what we gain from it, though we do gain many things from worship, though we uh, learn things and uh, we gain the value of uh, fellowship together um, and, and the joy of, of singing praise to you. There are so many things that we do gain, God, but I pray that we remember that this is not about what we gain, but it is about what we give um, and, and about our attitude towards you. Uh, it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, will be an interesting class this morning. My computer apparently saved half of my work, <laughs> so we'll go on memory from for half of it. Uh, we are in Job chapter 34, um, and uh, Job has introduced um, the the statements of Job in chapter 34, verses one through nine, uh, and <clears throat> His speech is to actually he's he's opening up. He's still speaking to uh, these these other men. He's okay. We're going to test Job's theories out. We're, you and I, uh, and I don't know if this is a a course for them on how to evaluate wisdom because they need uh, some help too. And we've talked about how he's going to concentrate on Job, right? Uh, just to kind of recap a little bit of what we've gone through, he's going to. He hasn't spent the majority of his time on these men, though they're further away in terms of their teachings. Um, he's going to concentrate on on Job, and um, and I think some of the opinions were that that that's partially because Job shows the ability to be worked with more. So you spend your time where it's going to be most uh, efficiently used. But uh, he is still throughout this. I think Elihu is still trying to influence these men in some way. So we're going to read verses 10 through 20 um, and, and pick up there. So uh, he says, therefore, listen to me, men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness and from the Almighty to commit iniquity, for he repays man according to his work and makes man to find a reward according to his way. Surely God will never do anything wickedly, nor will the Almighty pervert justice who gave him charge over the earth and who appointed him over the whole world uh, if he would set his heart on it if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath and all all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust if you have understood then hear this listen to the sound of my words should one who hates justice govern will you condemn him who is most just. Is it fitting to say to the king, you are worthless, and to nobles, you are wicked? Yet he is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are the work of his hands. In a moment they die, in the middle of the night, the people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken away without a hand. So, who is... Elihu addressing, well, we've talked about that. He's addressing really primarily right now the, the three friends. He's going to get into Job and 
They're going to talk about what Job has said. But what is he addressing here? What's he correcting? What positions have they taken? Who does it sound like he's correcting, first of all? It it sounds like he's correcting Job. Yet he's talking to them. Right, uh, and I, I think in a sense he's actually correcting all four of them. All four of them, remember, have made similar assumptions. Right, they've they've taken them a little different way. They've they've all assumed that God has done this, and and he's so he's addressing I think the logical fallacy that all of them have made. They've they've taken it and applied it differently, but they've all done the same basic thing, uh, and so. Uh, they have, uh, one of the things that they've done is falsely accused Job, and that's been addressed, and, and he addressed that right away. And, and there is even in here an element of that. Uh, Job has unjustly accused God of unrighteousness in, in punishing him, and they've unjustly accused Job of wrong, and so therefore God must be doing something. But he says, listen, God doesn't pervert justice. You're both wrong. <laughs> both sides are wrong. Um, so uh, so I, I think he's really addressing both sides in a, in a sense. When we run into uh, bad logic, what is, what's the, uh, what's the course we should pursue? Have you ever run into a, a thought line or a, a, some logic that doesn't seem to you get? Uh, you can be interpreting a, a scripture. It can be something that's like, this doesn't quite work out. This, is, this doesn't seem right. What do you do? What do okay, there's course correction, right? There's a course correction. Unfortunately, a lot of people double down, right? Uh, and you see that in debates. And, and throughout this whole time period of, of these speeches, Job and these men have been doubling down on their side. Right? They're, they're not producing logical conclusions, neither side. And so Elihu is trying to resolve the situation, I think. Uh, you look for what we would call third options, right? And fourth and fifth and sixth. There, in other words, if you only have two choices and, and you're both demanding that it be one of these two, you're going to say, well, this is a bad option because of this. Well, well yes, but that's a bad option because of this. That suggests that there's another interpretation that's really either a combination of the two or something that no one has considered yet. They should be concentrating their efforts there, and, uh, and, and they're not. So Elihu is going to start offering, I think, some, some third options. It's possible that Job's punishment is not for sin, right? And, and so in here, I think he, he does say, listen, sometimes man, uh, God repays man according to his work. That, that sometimes is true. There's an element of that that is true. Uh, but he says, listen, life comes from God. 
And what happens if God pulls all of his life back, all of his breath back to himself? What happens to man? If God just merely takes his energy back to himself, what happens to us? We could die. We are totally subsistent upon God's energy. On God's, and I don't want to sound all Eastern religion here, but, but that's, that's, that's all life and all breath. Everything comes to God. If God decides to pull his breath back to himself, that's his decision. It's not unrighteous. It's not unjust. And, and no one has the right to say, well, why me? I made you. Right? So um, no one is here to determine or judge God for what God does for his own personal motives. And I think that's as simple as this statement is, is made for both Job, maybe focusing on Job. But there's another option, and that's that Job's suffering might not be from God at all, which we know to be true. This is interesting that the book of Job is going to end, and Job is never going to get that explanation. I don't know. At some point, somebody writes this book and, and is privy to that information. If it's Elihu, then Elihu figured it out later. Elihu in this passage, in these, in these, during these speeches, does not know that because he never offers that. Maybe it's in the writing of the book, God explains it later. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever done this with your kids, but you have a reason for something and they demand to know, so you don't tell them just because they demand it, right? I'm the parent. There's a good reason for it, but I'm not going to tell you because I simply want you to comply. Later, I'll tell you why. When you don't think you're owed it, but then, then I sit down and explain it. But right now, you're going to do it because you respect me. And you respect the fact that I'm a parent. And, and I think that's what's, what's happening in, in this book. God's going to eventually explain it. And maybe eventually Job knew it. I don't know. But right now, God's like, I don't owe you an explanation for what I do. And I think that's what this passage uh, is largely about. Any thought on that? That is, that's, that's a great observation, and he does that a lot. He, do, he does two things a lot. He asks a lot of questions, and he gives a lot of pauses for them to process and to ask their own questions or to say, I disagree with that. And what's funny is when he does that, there's less argumentation. You would think that that would, be, that would open it up for a lot of arguments, but it doesn't. Uh, maybe just the, the fact that he's willing to work with them and willing to be nice says, okay, we'll hear you some more. Okay, talk some more. Uh, but, you know, when, when they make demands, Job is right there, bam. They, they, they give a chapter and he gives two. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, they don't give him any room and he takes a lot of room. But when Elihu says, speaks for, you know, four or five verses and says, what do you think about that? What are your opinions? Job says, keep going. It, it's just interesting the effect I think it's a good effect on, you know, just in looking at his style, how, how to help our, our conversations even today. So let's read the next section, verse uh, 21 uh, through, through 30. 
He says his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. There's no darkness, there's no shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he doesn't need uh, further, he doesn't need to further consider a man that he would go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without question, and he sets others in their place because he knows their works. He overthrows them in the night, and they are crushed. He strikes them as wicked men in the open sight of others because they turned back from him and they wouldn't consider any of his ways so that they caused the cry of the poor to come to him. For he hears the cries of the afflicted when he gives quietness, then who can make trouble? And when he hides his face, who can see him, whether it is against a nation or just a man? So that the hypocrite should not reign, lest the people be ensnared. Okay. What are the ideas in here? What are, what are the, the concepts? What are you talking about? What, whom is he talking about now? What qualities of God? Let's begin there. What, what are the qualities of God that he addresses? Okay. His omnipotence and his omniscience, I'd say both of those two things, he's really, first of all, no one can stop him when he decides to do anything. That's his all-powerful nature, his omnipotence, right? But is also his omniscience, is, is God's ability. Job, what has Job wanted? He's, he's asked multiple times throughout these, throughout these whole things. I wanted justice. And what else? One other thing. He's wanted an answer. Right? I want justice and I want an answer. I want a trial where we can talk together and I can prove that I'm innocent. And God says, part of the reason I don't give an answer is because I don't have to ask. I don't have to figure out why I do things. God doesn't have to. He says, um, when he said he, he, he breaks mighty men without asking, right, in verse 24, or without inquiry, There's no, God never makes an in investigation, right? <laughs> he already knows it. God doesn't go, hmm, I wonder, I wonder, you know, maybe we do that with our kids. Kids are fighting, and we have to go into an inquiry. Who hit who first, and who took what from whom, and we take the, oh, the, the long trail. Well, yeah, you did that. Too. You did this. Well, he did this yesterday. And it's like it's a never-ending trail, and so we have the investigation. God doesn't need an investigation when he punishes. That would be nice. We just, we, we just whack. I, I got a 50-50 shot of getting the right one. <laughs> right? And, uh, do both, and then you got a 100% shot of getting whoever started it. And uh, that, that's, that, that, but when God, when God hits, he knows he hit the right target. Right? He never has an investigation. So, uh, so it's both his his justice and his, or justice in, in both his power to do something and his wisdom in doing things. So so that both again, and I think mainly this is guided more towards Job in this section than than the three friends. Um, 
we're coming into a section that is um, kind of confusing for a lot of people in this wide interpretations on on the significance from from this kind of the the end of this section we read down into even the beginning of chapter 35 but um he gets really harsh to whom to job and that that causes us some some concern because what has god said about job God seems to have complimented Job a lot, and, and Elihu seems to be ripping him. And I, I mean, harsh. And, and some people say, well, this is harsher than, than some of the stuff that the three friends say. I would dispute that. I mean, uh, but what does he accuse Job of, or seems to, if we read it quickly? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, he reinforces that Job sinned. Okay. Job said, I didn't sin. He said, You did. Yeah. Right? Okay. But now you're adding to your sin. Okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So we get, we get on down into, um, in, into that, that last section. Uh, and, um, in the in verse from 31 to 37 we're going to get into that in just a sec why don't we just read that now because it really does kind of go uh together he says um has anyone said to god i've borne chastening i've i'm gonna offend no more teach me what i do not see if i have done iniquity i will do no more should he repay it according to your terms just because you don't admit it you must choose and not not me therefore speak what you know again this pause Say whatever you want. No, (laughs) Job says, silent, so he continues. Men of understanding, say to me, wise men who listen to me. Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Oh, that Job were tried to the utmost because his answers are like those of the wicked men. For he adds rebellion to his sin. He claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. Okay, so so there, I want to back up. There are a number of things that he seems to be indicating, and I don't know that he is indicating that Job did all of these things, but he talks about, some, and he repeats some of the things that, that they've said. Uh, he talks about the afflicted, verse uh, 28, the, poor, the cry of the poor coming to them, right? That sounds like what there was an extensive chapter, and I can't remember which one of it was talking about how you you've taken the wages of the poor and all these things like that, and you know uh, the orphan, you the orphan and the widow, and you haven't you know you haven't listened to them, you've heard them, and done all these things to them, and um, that seems to be an echo of that. In verse thirty, he's um, it's a mention of hypocrisy, um, and and we we go through this. Like, is that is this an accusation of Job, or is there another explanation? Again, with, there, to me, there needs to be another explanation, and and here's the reason: is because we started all of this, and what was 
What was Elihu's first position when he enters into this conversation? Well, they're both wrong, but he first, he first addresses the, the men. And what was his main statement against these three guys? Okay. He's like, I've been waiting for a good answer. You haven't given any. And there was one other thing that he was upset with them about. Okay, Job said, prove me wrong, and they couldn't give any. He was upset that they were falsely accusing Job. So he's already, in a sense, vindicated Job of these specific things. So I don't think he's going back in time and changing his tune. So these statements are important, but I don't think they're necessarily indicative I think he doesn't accuse Job of sin, and we're, and I, we're going to look at the specific ones he does. Um, it's also just uh, it's notable that in verse 35, that God almost repeats the exact words from the world. Yes. Who is this who, yeah. who, who, yeah, without knowledge, yes. Um, and, and so so I think the, that last section is really important um, to get in here. So one of the views that you will, you, if you listen to or whatever, one of the views is that Elihu is not a prophet. And there are, there, are, there are people that think that Elihu is a dumb young kid and is actually worse off than, that is worse than these three friends, right? That this is not from God at all. And um, I, would, I would answer to that a couple of things. First of all, we're going to look at what specifically he does say, what specific things he does accuse. And uh, at the end of this chapter, but at the very, very end, chapter, I believe, 42, it's either 41 or 42, God sets everything straight. Right? God is going to speak out of the whirlwind for a number of chapters. And at the end of it, he wraps it up and puts a nice bow on it. Job is restored. The three friends are restored. They're all addressed out of the whirlwind. But Elihu is never addressed out of the whirlwind, and he's never asked to repent. Right? The three friends are told to repent. Job is told to repent, and they do. Elihu is never asked. That, to me, that glaring omission tells me Elihu is not, we've got to re, this is one of those things. This doesn't seem, this seems kind of fuzzy. This seems kind of fuzzy. Maybe we need a different explanation. Maybe we need to look at it deep, deep, a little more deeply. Um, what specifically here at the end, and we kind of addressed it. What two specific things does he accuse Job of? What sin? Okay. And in this, God has never, God has never vindicated him of this. Right? And God has talked about how he's a, a good man, right? Righteous, upright man. That, that refers to the way he behaves. Job's sins are his mouth right? and his attitude. That those are the sins. Those are very grievous sins. So, uh, so these other things in the speech are 
I don't necessarily have an explanation for them, but when we get to very concrete things that are observable, then he says, this is the wrong that Job has done, right? And, uh, and he even broadens out the, the rebellion. And if we look into chapter 35, um, chapter 35, the first three verses, moreover, Elihu answered and said, do you think this is right? You say, my righteousness is more than God's. For you say, what advantage will it be to you? What profit do I have than if I had sinned? Right? So, so that's, the, that's the rebellious nature. This idea that uh, the natural application of the things I've said, whether I intended it to be, sometimes we say things and we don't necessarily think out the implications of what we're saying, but they're still there and God feels them. You ever say something you didn't mean to say it and it's typically the wife that feels that the, the implications of what you said, uh, like someone said, uh, they said, uh, watching a, a marriage, marriage counseling thing. And they said, when, when you say words, it's like this. And when what the wife hears is like, like that, you know, and, and, and there's a big difference. And when we say, you know, what, when Job says this, God hears this. When, when Job makes this one statement, you know, God hears, that's rebellion. You're telling me I'm unjust in, my, in my, the way I do things. The implications are much more than you intended. And God doesn't care what you intended. God cares what you said, what you did. That's the reality of what happened. Right? I uh, blew out my finger on a hammer. Now I intended to hit the nail. My finger doesn't go, eh, no harm, no foul. <laughs> my, my finger goes, ah, and uh, so, so the, it's the reality of what, what we do, what we say. Any thoughts before we move on here? Right. That, that, and that is, yes, and that's really the subject, like you say, of, of Job is this uh, trying to put the, not the blame, but trying to put the credit where it belongs and, and, and trying to figure out, okay, God, God does this, but is it wrong? And, and they've, we make leaps of logic. And it's interesting that you, you know, how you talk about the, your friend and it, it's like, it's, it's, it, if it was fiction, it would be written perfectly because it makes you go back and forth. And, you know, you, you hear that we have this with friends or whatever. It's like you hear one side story and you're like, yeah, let's, and then you hear the other side and you're like, wow, they're right too. And, and it, it gives you this conflict as you read it because I read the friends and I'm like, I, I, I know they're wrong, but I, I kind of agree with them the majority of the time. And Job says some things. I'm like, oh, Job, what are you doing? slow down and and but it's like at the same time i can see where he's coming from because he feels innocent uh and, and it all comes down to the whole book regardless of of whether the person started out right or wrong or whatever the whole book comes down to god god's position in all of this and, and we get so and as an application of that we get so much into our righteousness and uh and our 
abilities or our whatever that we take the focus and put it on us it's very easy to do and that's what job has done and and we re, we can remove the focus from from what god is and we do that in church right you can see churches that have removed the focus completely um, in their worship from from being about god you know listen to the words of the songs that they're they're hardly ever about god you know if they are they're they're pretty light and fluffy you know, they're, they're, they're not about, you know, themes about God. You know, they're not about depth of character of God. They're really about what God does for me. You know, if we mention God, it's about what God does for me and how wonderful it is that I get stuff from God. And it's like, can we not talk about me? <laughs> right? And so, uh, and that's, that's the book of Job. Uh, so I want to continue on in chapter 35. We'll try to get through this. And this is kind of where my notes leave off here. He says, uh, verse four, he says, I will answer you and your companions with you. So again, he's, he's talking to Job, but he's also talking about friends. I'm going to answer you, Job, and your companions. <laughs> Centered on Job. Look to the heavens and see. Behold the clouds. They are higher than you. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? If your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? What does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects a man like you, and your righteousness affects the son of a man. So let's stop there. What what is the point? What is his point? Whether you sin or whether you don't sin, you're not going to change God. <laughs> Big whoop. You can't give <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So so your your sin. And I want to be careful how we say this because we've kind of encountered this opinion already. It was it was Job's friends. This is one of those things where I'm like. Again, I agree with Job's friends a little bit more. Um, they kind of made this statement already. You know, God doesn't need you, right? Not that you can't help. Not, not what do you do for God? When we say that, it's, it's not that I don't do anything for God. It's, it's that I don't do anything for God in the sense that he needs it. I, I don't do anything for God that he couldn't wave his hand and do. Much easier, much better. I don't do anything. So, so he says, and he flips it on both sides. Really, as bad as you are, the, the, worst you can, the, the worst human in the history of the world, what did they do to God? We, we, look, we look at society and... Uh, uh, wow, they're, they're really hurting God. We, we say things like that. Well, well, in emotional sense, maybe. Right? Maybe they make God sad. They don't hurt God. They, they don't impact those sins, the most grievous of murders, the most horrible of, of, of disgusting things that people do, don't actually impact God as he exists. 
it'll impact humans. <laughs> Okay, I see what you're saying. Sure, sure. It, it, it impacted him by his own choice. Yes, but but what what Elihu was right? They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the knowledge, sir, of of Christ and 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 the death of Christ at this point. Um, so I see what you're saying. It, it will later from his perspective. But but again, only by Christ, only by God's choice. There was nothing that forced Christ's hands. Like oh. I'm stuck in this situation because of man's sin. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing that made or forced God to do anything. No one has impacted. Satan and everything he could possibly do has never impacted God. God, Because God could have just said, you don't exist. Poof. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing that's ever impacted God. Do you have a thought? Okay. That. So. So. So the impact is how God is interacting with man. The. The. God is even in here. It does. There is an impact. But like you say, it's only because God is continuing to try to interact with us. And he's trying, even as he sends Elihu and, uh, and prophets of various ones to, to man, now, later, there is an impact on God. And it is certainly an emotional impact on God. But that's not what, what Elihu is addressing. So, so that's in the negative sense. In the good sense, right, the same is true. What have you done? Because what has Job's position been? I haven't done, not only that, so that's the negative side. I haven't done anything wrong, but what he went through a whole chapter of stuff. Look at the things I've done. We sat here. Who, who didn't come to my house and, and ask for stuff? And I sat him down and gave him stuff. I, I, I had servants and I, who, who among us sits there and listens to their servants' complaints? Me. I'm the only one who does that. Right? No one does that. Job did. Job gave a slave the right to complain. Well, that's unheard of. When I walked in and sat down, people listened to me for wisdom. I, I've been, I've sacrificed, I've done all these, and he goes through the litany of things, the positive things that he did. And Elihu just goes, so what? What did you do for God? Really? It's nice, and, and God gives you credit for it, and God calls you righteous for it. But you didn't really do anything that, that makes God's condition in heaven better. Like Heaven didn't shine brighter because of, of, of Job that one day, that he gave that person whatever. Oh, um, where are we at here? Right. Yeah, that's true. You don't. <clears throat> and there's a lot of things like that. A lot of a lot of rules we have is exactly like that, that where God said, you know, Christ said the law is made for man, not man for the law. It, 
you don't get the, it's not, uh, obeying a law is not about getting the bonus points for, for doing the law. It's, it's about you being safe. It's about, you know, uh, so, uh, so and it's uh, the same way. The rules aren't about you getting the, the, the cookie at the end of the day, you know, for being, for being righteous. Uh, verse 90 says, uh, because of the multitude of oppression, they cry out. Uh, they cry out for help because of the arm of the mighty, but no one says, where's my God, my maker, who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of heaven. There they, uh, there they cry out, but he doesn't answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to empty talk, nor will the almighty regard it. Though you say you do not see him, yet justice is before him and you must wait for him. And now because he has not punished in his anger, nor taken much, just, much notice of your foolishness, therefore Job opens his mouth in vain, and he multiplies words without knowledge. So what is the concluding thought? What's, what's he driving at? Okay, they're vain. Job's, Job's statements are pointless. Right, no, no matter what your complaints are, this is the deal. What has it gotten you? And he, he talks about the pride of man. Uh, after all of your statements about your righteousness, where are you at? Uh, in one sense, he says, you're fortunate because God has not punished you in his anger. What does that mean? God hasn't punished you in his anger. You're not, you're not dead. <laughs> if, if, you haven't, the whole speech has been talking about Job. Every speech Job is, a, he sends his chariots against me. And he's he's really lit into God about how harsh God has been to him. You don't know what harsh is. <laughs> you don't know what God's violent anger looks like. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah what violent anger looks like. You're, you don't exist with God's violent anger. God burns a hole in the ground when, when he has violent anger. Um, he hasn't punished you in anger yet. You, you don't know what that feels like. And so, so, so the whole thing is this, this conclusion is Job opens his mouth for no reason, and he multiplies his words without knowledge. Everything in Job's speeches, I mean, in all of the men's speeches, really, none of them have known what they're talking about, but Job especially. Job has really said a lot of stuff, and he has no idea what he's talking about. Um. Yeah, and and you're right. And there's a there's a statement in here <clears throat> that I think is interesting. He says, um, because of the multitude of depression, they cry out. Back up in verse nine, they cry out for help because of the arm of the mighty. But no one says, "Where is my God, my Maker, who gives songs in the night?" 
And what's the, the concept there? I think this is so indicative of humanity. What tendency? Verse 12 talks about, on one hand, they cry out. He doesn't answer. And this is our tendency. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, God operates on a different timetable from from us, right? Um, I think one of the tendencies we have, Job illustrates, is the ability to quickly credit God for the bad things that are happening. And on the other hand, he says, no one says, where's my God, my maker, who gives me songs in the night? Everything's going nicely. Let's credit God with that. Here's the peaceful times. Let's credit God with that. Uh, Here's a blessing today. Let's credit God with that. We have the tendency to just accept those as Job has the same idea, I think, that we all have as humans, is we expect a baseline of good times. Right? That's, that's what's expected from life. Right? And whenever anything dips below that, then we notice, like, whoa, hey, that's below what we're supposed to. And God, what's happening? This is... When it goes above that, we, we don't necessarily credit God with that. We, we, we start here. This is life. This is what it's supposed to be like. And then, well, God's not doing. Not, God's not keeping up his end of the bargain. I'm down here. And I, I think that's the, the idea here. Um, and, and maybe we have insight into, into Job prior to the book of Job, prior to these events that, that, Maybe the the source of his error, maybe even what God was trying to do, not punishing him, but maybe trying to make this alert. He had a religion, right? He he worshipped God. He's not saying that he's not religious. He was sacrificing for his sons and doing all these things, but maybe there was just a general uh, I don't even know if complacency is to I'm not sure what the word would be, but just a, a lack of recognition. For what God's doing, God's saying, we need something to correct this. It's, it's not a sin that you're doing necessarily. It's not some active sin problem that you have, but, but we, there's a behavior pattern that we need to correct. Right. Any other thoughts? Okay, we are going to close there.